This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. How do we build an amazing career? It's a question at the top of all of our minds. Can we take the opportunities at our disposal now and turn them into more later? To help us find that answer, we have friend of the show, Kent C. Dodds. Blogger, podcaster, lead developer, open sourcer, community builder, extraordinaire, and now full-time self-employed educator. He's done it all to develop his career, and he shares what worked for him and what he had to give up. He reminds us to be consistent, stop asking permission, learn by teaching, and what it means to increase the impact of your value. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, this episode is sure to drive change in your career. This week's episode is made possible by Infinite Red, beautiful, functional web and mobile apps. Remote is on the rise. Many of you are moving toward or looking for remote opportunities. Maybe you're considering contracting to get away from the nine to five. Your next job search only includes remote companies. Or you own a company and you know that limiting your search to the local pool is keeping you from hiring the best talent out there. You want to go remote, but you don't know how. You need help. And Infinite Red made the remote work handbook just for you. This handbook is a quick and easy read with everything that you need to know to take the plunge. Infinite Red lives and breathes remote. They really believe in it. And they know firsthand that you can build a great remote company with a thriving culture. Learn how today by visiting remote.infinite.red. Get your free copy of the Remote Work Handbook and take the road less commuted. Kent, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of React Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I guess it, the last one wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, the last one was awesome. People loved it. It was, it, was, it was super meaningful. If you want to listen to that, it's uh, number 21 and it's called Delete Your Components with Kent C. Dodds. That was actually one of my favorite titles, I think, today. That was very clever. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, and we just talk about um, your talk at last year's React Rally uh, 2018, where you talk about composition and patterns for um, being able to uh, compose your components to better together to serve yourself now and kind of as requirements change. Um, how do you feel like that talk has aged with um with hooks what are some i guess we're gonna go right into it yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, hooks came out like a few months after that like how does that change some of what you talked about yeah it actually does quite a bit so what what i talked about a lot was hey uh you can um really simplify your components from a like an implementation standpoint and a user standpoint by using these um really useful patterns like render props and compound components and and uh things like that uh state reducers and lots of those patterns are pretty much like not useful anymore uh they're (laughs) useful if if you don't like hooks like if you want to stick with the classes then you'll still love those patterns they're still useful they'll they'll work forever but if you are into the whole new hooks thing then you don't need those most many of those patterns like compound components is still legit and and there are several of those there are still situations to use render props um not not a lot i've got a blog post about that actually yeah we'll link that yeah yeah it's uh React hooks, what's going to happen to my render props or something like that. Um, And uh, most of the time, you're not going to need some of these patterns because React hooks just simplifies so much. Um, 
And uh, yeah, like lots of my talk was, hey, we need to be able to share logic in a way that is reasonable and hooks just solve that problem from a primitive um, level. So I'm really happy about that change. Uh, the when, when I saw hooks, I looked at it and I told Ryan Florence, actually, I said, I feel like they're improving something that I thought was perfect <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and couldn't be improved. And so I'm, I was just really uh, thrilled um, and, and surprised at, uh, at this new feature. I'm super happy we have it. That's awesome. Now, we're, we're going to get into like kind of your transition into full-time educator and how that's kind of changed your perspective on certain things. But um, as you're educating people, you're working with teams, um, I'm sure that you see a lot of code that can't easily be easily or immediately be migrated to hooks. So do you have any messaging for like people who um, are feeling that tension, like feeling like they, they want to get onto hooks or maybe even some like responsibility to get on hooks, um, but have a huge amount of code in um, in classes? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is just basically what the React team is is um, talking about a lot is you don't have to rewrite your app with hooks. Facebook isn't rewriting their app with hooks. Um, the, the, uh, like what I would suggest is this is just like any other new feature that comes around in any other library. You don't instantly update your entire app to use that new feature. Um, you just start using it in the places that you're working. And so like, I have seen some tweets of, of people who are like, yeah, I spent the whole weekend upgrading our whole app to hooks. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure your app is probably pretty small. Um, <laughs> cause it is, it is not a trivial amount of work. If it were a trivial amount of work, then Facebook would have released a code mod and automatically migrated us all instantly anyway. And so it is, um, you know, it takes some uh, like manual work and then it takes some manual verification. So it's not a like a one-to-one -one thing necessarily either. Sure. And just as a, a quick tip though, like I think it's it would be um, a good idea to, if you wanted to move fast and, and do that migration, um, it, feel free to use layout effects, um, to, to use the use layout effect hook <laughs> um, as a replacement for component to mount and you'll experience fewer uh, surprises. Um, but oh, interesting. It, yeah, because the uh, use layout effect is basically um, does the same thing uh, semantically that component did mount and, and component uh, did update does, um, where use use effect will um, actually run after the browser paint, and so you can run into some weird edge cases where uh, that ru that running later is observable by the user or just okay. causes some weird bug. But um, before you even do any of that, if like, so we're getting into practical examples. So first <laughs> sure. I wanted to establish like, uh, you don't have to do it. I would recommend doing, you know, over time you, you migrate or, or like rewrite or just use as, as much as you want. Like I know some people who prefer the classes. Um, I don't understand it, but some people do. And <laughs> so stick with what you, what you like. They're not deprecating classes. Yeah. But yeah, so for the practical stuff, the, I think the first really valuable thing you could do is install the ESLint plugin React Hooks. Uh, thing that Dan Abramoff's been working on the last month or two, it is phenomenally good. Like I, I would watch his his uh, Twitter uh, like screencast video things of this like little gifs where he'd show it, and I was like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. But when I installed it and saw <laughs> all of the warnings and stuff, like oh, I guess I didn't understand hooks as well as I thought I did. Like it is, 
it is phenomenally good. So that that's like really low effort, high impact uh, thing that you can do when you get started is install that plugin. Um, and then the next thing is, uh, yeah, start writing new features with hooks. And I, I would recommend actually to uh, start building something with hooks on the side or in a mm. small project that doesn't matter. Um, make all of your mistakes over there because this is React 2014 where nobody knows anything about anything. <laughs> and we're all just trying to figure out like... Like if you're trying to blog, like search a blog post that's like React Hooks best practices, um, any blog post that you find is totally <laughs> lying because nobody knows best practices yet. Uh, there's no such thing. And uh, actually, like the best the concept of best practices is kind of funny anyway. So uh, so don't bother uh, with that. Like play around with it somewhere else. Figure out all the the things that don't work very well um and then and then you can start bringing it into your app and um after you've made all of your mistakes somewhere else uh, those are a couple hopefully useful tips awesome awesome yeah i think those would be super valuable to uh, to people yeah and i totally agree with you on the best practices thing it's it's kind of a joke i i've always felt like it's particularly interesting in the react community because React is like predicated on this idea of like rethinking breadth practices, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever. We we want what we want, right? We're just we're just humans. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then the thing is, like, if if we're um, just briefly compare communities for a second, I know that in Ember and the Angular communities, um, not only do they kind of espouse best practices, but they kind of enforce them or, or like mm. kind of almost force you to use them you can work around lots of their their concepts and things but that's kind of the way that it works it's just like this um convention that you kind of must follow sure um which works really well for lots of situations but when it doesn't work well it work it's like royally bad um <laughs> and uh in react is kind of taking the approach that no we're just like we'll, we'll provide you a simple solution and then you can do what you want to with it and i think that explains why people are desperately reaching for best practices because sure. they have no handrails to really hold yeah. on to. It's kind of, you know, no, like, and then they come to people and we're like, no, no, just do what you want. They, they don't like to hear that. Um, so I, I can understand why people are like, you know, from their perspective, I don't really know what to do with this thing. And I want you to tell me what to do so I don't make a mistake. And, and there's this uh, kind of paralysis effect that uh, that happens and they're, they're worried they're going to make a mistake. Um, and yeah, like even if they follow the advice of the sage wizards, they're probably going to make mistakes anyway because yeah. uh, we're all learning as we go. Uh, and that's one of the things I actually really love about React is that, um, that we can um, evolve and yes. um, and we aren't locked into these quote unquote best practices that may work pretty well today, but tomorrow um, we find out that, oh, that was a leaking abstraction. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I want to transition a little bit. And I think on the last episode we did with you, we talked a lot about what we talked about your um, we talked about um, uh, downshift and and all of the work that you were putting into that and learning composability at the time. And. In this one, I really want to talk about kind of the why and how of your career transition over the last um, handful of months. And for people that don't know, um, you have been working at PayPal for how long were you at PayPal? Three years. Three years. Three years. You were working at PayPal and um, you you had, had managed to be able to do some open source and training and, and, and whatnot at PayPal. Um, 
while you were kind of like building up, you know, your your opportunity to kind of become a full-time educator. Um, now, the details for me are like totally fuzzy, and that's kind of what I want to uh, talk about today is how did you get from um, point A to point B, and like what were some of the most important things that you learned along the way? So if you could flesh out some of the details about your employment um, and what you were doing in those last couple of years, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go back just a tiny bit further. So uh, I graduated from BYU in... Um, with a master's in information systems. And I started work at a company called Dumma that's local here. Um, and like right around that same time, I started creating videos for Egghead. And that was like a pivotal moment in my career when I realized that uh, like I'd already been doing uh, meetup talks and, and I, I did a workshop for my classmates before I graduated and stuff. I was I, I just always had this natural inclination to uh, go and teach uh, people things uh, because I realized that that's how you uh, learn stuff is by teaching mm -hmm. it to other people. And I was like, oh, sweet. I want to learn stuff. So I'll, I'll just sign up to, to give all these <laughs> talks and workshops. So um, when I but when I started uh, making stuff for Egghead, that's when I realized, oh, I can actually make money with this. And if I stick to it, I can make, um, you know, like a salary with this, basically. Yeah. Um, and so it was. Uh, like there was always something in the back of my mind. It was like, that would be pretty cool to just do that part full time. Um, but it was never really like, I don't know when I started thinking that I actually could make that happen, maybe like a year or two ago. Um, but anyway, so I, I just kind of kept that on, on the side. And then I, I did a couple things with front end masters as well. And, and I had um, like, it wasn't even a year after I graduated from college that I flew out in, and started speaking and, and training internationally and I, um, I just thought that was super fun. And so I, I would do that, but it had to be on the side. I had to take, you know, time off from work and, and all of that. Um, and it kind of, there was one year, my first year at PayPal, um, I had already signed up to go to like a dozen, um, conferences and, and, uh, and do workshops there and stuff like that. And partway through the year, my manager said, Hey, um, so we're really supportive of this. Like PayPal was super cool about this, but um, we like, did you know that you are taking one day out of a week basically to do that stuff? So like you work four days, your, co your coworkers work five days a week. Is that like, just to give you an idea of what kind of pressure you're, you're putting onto your coworkers. Um, and that made me realize that like, Hey, maybe, um, there's a bit of a conflict here mm -hmm. uh, between what I'm doing for work uh, and and giving my employer an honest and and at PayPal your PTO is untracked um, and conferences like are good for PayPal too. At the time PayPal wasn't hiring, so they were like, yeah, we can't like really uh, <laughs> leverage the value that you can create here anyway. So, um, but uh, yeah, so they said, you know, you're kind of you're a product engineer. We kind of need your help building the products yeah so i i really toned down or like backed off a little bit on the side uh, or on, at least on the travel stuff and i i spent more of the time on the side um uh, like in the evenings and stuff my kids go to bed pretty early at like seven and then mm -hmm. my wife needs some time alone uh, because she's with kids all day she, i've got four <laughs> kids and so she's like yeah i love you but maybe you could go like record a video or something <laughs> <laughs> so i was like okay um and so I would do it on the side, but like it was kind of draining, like work all day um, and and then work in, into the evening. And I really enjoyed it. But um, I, I started getting to the point where I 
wanted to hang out with my wife and with my family more. Yeah. And, and the travel is definitely like a huge drain. I, I even now as a full-time educator, I, uh, if, if anybody listening to this has tried to get me to come to their conference or, um, uh, or, uh, meetup, they know that it's very hard to convince me to travel. Um, cause, uh, yeah, it's just a real drain. So anyway, well, it's like, even for one day of talking, you're out like three, you know, yes. it's just, it's so hard. The, the, the impact for that your effort is so is so crazy and obviously it goes out a lot of times and you know can reach thousands of people but Mm -hmm. uh, you know the way the internet is today like you can do that anyway yeah exactly yeah i um and and it's not that i don't want to like if if we had teleportation i would do it like i'd totally be there but we don't and so um yeah so you totally hit it um that's the that's the real problem and especially international too because now it's not three days it's five you know so yeah um so yeah i uh um i i was still like super happy at paypal i was building awesome stuff and and it was like and they were doing amazing like they were treating me super well like they said hey we know that you like teaching so why don't you come and practice your workshop material on our employees and oh, they were getting awesome. a killer deal out of that, right? Like they're getting, <laughs> you know, professional training for free. Uh, well, for my salary, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but um, it, it worked out really nicely. I, and I, uh, they were totally cool with me recording those, uh, live streaming them. And so nice. other people outside of the company could join. So that's a big reason why my YouTube channel has so many uh, resources is because PayPal was basically sponsoring me creating all these resources for the world. That's awesome. Um so PayPal is like a rock solid, awesome employer. I, I can't recommend um, enough um, like PayPal as an employer. They're super cool. I mean, the fact that they were not threatened by what you were doing and found a way to kind of find a happy medium and allow both of you to grow simultaneously, that's pretty unheard of. I mean, that's a really amazing opportunity. And uh if, for for both of you, right? Like, and I love hearing when companies have, um, I guess, like a vision for the people that work for them that isn't just like, hey, get your butt in the seat, um, but really like, hey, we we have an opportunity here to both grow together, mm-hmm. um, and that's, I mean, what an amazing uh, an amazing opportunity. Yeah, totally. I, I was really fortunate in that way. So yeah, so I I was there and I was like super happy with what I was working on, um, but it finally got to the point where I was like. Uh, I want to do too many things and I've got to decide <laughs> which of these things I want to do more. Um, and so I finally decided, you know, what, I want to do this training thing more. That's yeah. I, I want to spend my days, um, you know, working on on this content. Um, and so and there were like uh, I, I work very closely with Egghead for all of the stuff that I do. And uh, they said, hey, we've got some really cool ideas. What do you think? And I was like, I mean, I could probably do that in a year um, <laughs> on the side with you know the time that I have. So it was it was becoming evident to me that uh, my heart was really in in this. Um, yeah. So I, I approached PayPal, and they of course were not super uh, psyched about it, um, but uh, they were you know happy I was happy kind of thing. Um, and I we parted ways at the yeah first day of February. Uh, taking wow. advantage of that insurance uh, that lasts through the month of February. Because <laughs> um, insurance. That's a good trick. I think I remember you tweeting about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Insurance is the worst, by the way. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, I, I made that transition. And uh, all of a sudden, I realized that all of the cool things that PayPal was sponsoring me to do, 
Um, now Kent C. Dots Tech LLC is sponsoring <laughs> me to do that. <laughs> That's quite a transition. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, that was challenging. So let me, let me mention, I'll just mention a couple of things for context. Um, so I, I do a, well, I, I have been doing a live stream every weekday mm-hmm. called Dev Tips with Kent. Um, and that, you know, normally it's like 15 minutes. Um, and so it, it takes about 20 minutes of my time every day. Uh, sometimes more if I want to prepare something um, special. Uh, and then I also was doing a, a three-minute podcast, Three Minutes with Kent, where I just answer somebody's question on my AMA that's on GitHub. Um, I write a blog post every Monday that basically took, uh, takes all morning on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, have over 100 modules on NPM. Um, and not all of them I'm actively maintaining. Lots of them are done or just nobody's using them anymore. But um, I would like wake up in the morning with 30 emails in my oh. inbox. Um, that is, that uh, at least um, until I made some changes, that was a pretty normal situation. Um, and then like throughout the day, I, I'll probably get 100 notifications from various GitHub related things. Some of them my projects, others uh, projects I'm contributing to. Uh, and so like PayPal was super happy to have me work on this open source stuff. Cause we were using like react testing library and downshift and all of this stuff. So like it was helping PayPal. Um, but when I left PayPal, uh, now I had to like really think hard about, um, you know, Kent Dodds tech won't have the financing to sponsor these things. If you're not doing work to, um, you know, to generate some revenue income. And so I had to kind of pick and choose what things that I, I work on a little bit more uh, selectively. And so, um, yeah, that, that became a bit of a challenge. And, and I've made some changes, but uh, yeah, it's, it's still a, a challenge. And like I also, you know, on Twitter, it's a constant thing and um, email and, and stuff. So I've had to be a lot more choosy about the things that I do. Um, which has been kind of hard. Yeah, how does that how does that affect you kind of emotionally? Because obviously you're you're, you're big in the community, big on community. Uh, I'm sure that it feels really hard to with this new context to have to like say no to things or mm. ignore things or I guess maybe even ask people for for more help than they've been been giving in the past. Um, how does that how does that affect you emotionally? Oh, dude, what a question, man. Um, that's a good question. Um, so, uh, like, just to give you an example, there, there's a course I have on Egghead. It's a free course uh, called How to Contribute to an Open Source Project on GitHub, where I teach people, like, here's how you, like, sign up for GitHub, and here's how you set up the SSH keys locally, and, and all of that stuff from the very, very beginning, and then all the way to making a pull request, even rebasing and stuff like that. Um, and that has been there for like uh, maybe four years. Um, And at the very end of that course, I say, um, and this repo we've been using is a real repo and you can go practice on that repo and I will help you get your first pull request merged into open source. Okay. And so, um, you know, it's been four years. I've helped almost a hundred people on that repo get their first pull request in. And it was super rewarding. Like I, I never really cared too much about um, the implementation. I, I pretty much never looked. Um, I, it was all about like the process of, of the, um, you know, doing it. But like occasionally, I'd have to ha- show people the commands they'd need to run to, you know, update their PR or something if there was a conflict or whatever. Or they'd like, 
I had some people commit C files, like and oh. <laughs> just like random things. So like, it, it takes a lot of work to maintain something like that. So, but at the same time, I felt like you know I'm really helping people get into this, and yeah. and it's been really rewarding for me. And so I'm I'm happy to to do that, but it just takes a lot of time, and um and so I had to finally cut that out. Um, and so I archived that repository and I had this message that says, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And that really hurt. Um, I, I, I feel bad that, uh, these people can't, like, I can't help these people anymore, but I I just can't. Another example is, um, uh, this is a a happy ending. Um, there's the all contributors spec that, uh, you see on all of my repos and there are over 2000 last time I checked like a month and a half ago, there were 2000 all contributor RC files on GitHub. That's awesome. I use it. I love it. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so yeah, you, maybe you know that uh, about like the recent awesome improvements to uh, to this thing. So it was one of the first things that I decided to cut out because um, the, the project as it was, was working perfect for me and I didn't need any changes um, to it. But a lot of people just kept on bringing up different things that they wanted to change and improve. And I said, I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't maintain this. So I handed it off to someone um, and shoot, I can't think of his name right now, but if you go look at the commit history, you'll know exactly who it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just took it and made, he made a bot, which is something that I've been wanting to do forever. Dude, the bot is great. I do not use the CLI anymore. It is so good. So good. (laughs) And, um, and he made a website. There's a design. I've, I've got a sticker on my laptop with the new logo. Like, oh, that's it, amazing. So I, sometimes you you have these things that you're, and and here's here's the takeaway line for for people listening. Like sometimes you have things that you think are so important, and you um, have to be the one to do these things, um, but they're not bringing you joy. You know, you hold it to your heart, and does this mm. spark joy? And and it, you know, like it sort of does, but it. The idea of me working on it doesn't spark joy. The idea of it existing sparks joy, but like I would, I don't want to work on this, right? That doesn't spark joy. I, I need to move on to something else. It, it instead it sparks like uh, guilt. Um, <laughs> and so I, in in handing it off, sometimes you find that um, somebody else can do it better, um, and and they have not maybe not because they're a better coder, maybe because they are a better coder. Um, but that's, that's less relevant than the fact that they are uh, more invested in it and they can invest more time than you can. And, uh, that's been my experience. I've been handing off a lot of projects, uh, since I, I quit PayPal, uh, like downshift, for example, I handed that off because I, I, in fact, I haven't used downshift in like a year and a half, um, <laughs> because I moved from the team at PayPal where we were using the project. And so I handed that off and, and, uh, they've been maintaining it a lot better than I, I had been. Um, but don't worry, react testing library, that thing, I, I love that thing. And I'm still using that a lot. So, um, that one's staying mine, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's been a, definitely a process. And, and then like, I'll get emails sometimes and, um, having to say no, is not fun. Um, and sometimes if it's this big, long email, I just ignore it. Um, and that I feel bad, but I, I can't, I can't do that. I, I get a request to be a mentor for somebody at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's pretty much always a no for me. I, I don't have the bandwidth to do all that. And it, and it hurts um, a bit. Like it's emotionally draining, but um, I, I think everybody needs to um, make decisions. I actually li- recently read or listened to a book called Boundaries, which is mm-hmm. really... It's a great book. Yeah, it's fantastic. So um, I've been... 
a lot more interested in, actually I tweeted this the other day, it's a word that I've been using a lot more intentionally is no. Um, And I think that's a a word that people should uh, learn and use more frequently, so. Well, it's interesting, you, in describing kind of how this is, this transition has taken place for you and the things that you've had to let go of, it seems like you're almost broadening your sense of community because it's, this has forced you to hand off things that you were, like you were saying, you were holding on to, but you were just really getting guilt out of it. Mm. And, you know, you've spent a lot of time building these things. And so handing those off to someone else to kind of like take further, that um, that's a, a huge opportunity for them, you know, maybe who, who don't have the audience that you have, uh, who don't have, um, who couldn't have built a library with so many eyes on it and so much interest in it. Um, now you can give someone um, the, I guess, privilege of responsibility to uh, take that on and, you know, work on it and make it their own and like kind of take it even further than you had a vision for. Um, so I, that's that's probably got to feel like a different kind of good on some level, right? Yeah, it, it definitely does. And I'm glad you brought that up because I hadn't really considered that. Um, it is kind of a, an aspect of, of building the community and giving people opportunity. And that's one of the things that I love. That's why I loved the um, you know, the open source, um, you know, your first time, first pull request on your open source project, uh, thing was that I was giving people an opportunity and I hadn't considered the fact that, you know, some people need an opportunity to maintain something, um, that lots of people use Yeah. and, uh, yeah. And that's been working out pretty well for both of us. So, or for everybody, the, the users as well. That's awesome. Well, I'm here. I'm happy to hear that those projects have continued to, um, develop and you're happy uh, with the progress that they've been making. One thing that you've mentioned in this, and I, I feel like this kind of plays into it as well, is you wrote an article, I think it's called like, How Am I So Productive or mm-hmm. something along those lines, a while ago on Medium. Yeah. And uh, you have a handful of points, but one of the ones that kind of stands out the most to me uh, is that it says increase uh, the impact of your value. Hmm. Um, and it's kind of it's it's a very provocative kind of one liner. So could you tell us a little bit more about that and how you how you internalize that? Yeah, dude, I'm so glad you asked about this one. Um, so like we're literally creating value every day with like pretty much everything that we do. Um, well, so long as you're producing, like if you're a consumer only, then you're not really creating value watching like game of thrones whatever um <laughs> but uh but if you're creating something if um producing anything then that is value that you're creating and and i'll give you an example of something or of a couple things like a conversation with a coworker at work or over slack um or a uh you know you you solved a bug in your code base or um you wrote a little um uh, email to a, a a friend about you know an experience that you had any any of these things are creating value and so what i mean by increasing the impact of the value you create is um by taking those uh, those little bits of value that you are already creating and changing their form in such a way that they're consumable by uh, the masses mm. and so uh that was one of the things that i loved that paypal allowed me to do was i um, this isn't the way the conversation went. Um, I kind of just did what I wanted and, and asked for uh, permission later. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like you could envision something like this uh, going down. You say, hey, manager, uh, how would you like me to um, write a blog post every week and share it with our team about something that I learned this last week? 
uh, and it would just be like a you know a short couple paragraphs. Um, it might take me an hour to put put together. Um, if your manager is smart, then they will say absolutely. That is great. We want to, um, you know, teach the rest of our team. Like, I, in fact, let's have everybody do that. You know, like uh, a bad manager will be like, no, we, you know, get your nose back onto that computer <laughs> screen, like you dork, whatever. So, um, a, a good manager would be like, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's share knowledge. And so then your next question is, well, so what if? Like, what if it's not specific to our code base or like, what if it's not like, maybe I learned something interesting about React hooks and it's, it's pretty general, nothing, no proprietary information in there. Um, would it be okay if I post that to a public platform, like, uh, my, my own blog somewhere and, um, I, I don't understand why any manager would say, no, no, it wouldn't be okay. Right. That. That seems like totally legit. You know, it's it's an easier way to distribute it that your coworkers can Google it. Um, yep. And so, yeah, sure. Let's let, go ahead and do that. And then poof, you have a weekly newsletter that you can send out to, you know, however many people want to subscribe. And so um, you've, you've just taken that value that you created in um, the thing that you learned um, that previous week. You broadened it to your team of like six other people, and then you took that and actually broadened it to the entire world. Yeah. And that's what I mean by increasing the impact of your value is um, you are creating value. Just change the form of how you deliver that value into something that can be uh, consumed by the masses. That's awesome. That's that's actually perfect. You kind of obliterated like a, a row of my questioning that I had, <laughs> <laughs> which was, you know, how to kind of like convince your manager, like tips for being able to like broaden your employment to building up your audience and all that. I mean, you, you, you kind of just uh, nailed everything. And actually, um, as part of that blog post, uh, the first thing that I say as an explanation for how I'm so productive is that it's an illusion. Um, mm -hmm. people think that I, I have a full-time job and I'm a blogger, a weekly blogger, and I live stream on YouTube and I have this other podcast and they don't realize that I have, um, been able to convince my manager that that is good for, um, PayPal. Yeah. Um, at least when I was at PayPal and, um, and so those are, I, I was basically getting paid to do those things. Um, it wasn't in my job description. I created that, um, that opportunity for myself, um, and by by talking with them i think this is a really interesting uh, perspective and i think that one one that you have demonstrated so beautifully is i think a lot of people have this idea of like being kind of bogged down or like pressed down by their job and like oh if i could just get out from under, under my job like life would be awesome hmm. like i like I, I could be living the dream like kent but the truth of the situation is that like you were able to work with your employer. You were able to work with your manager. And that that is the thing that set you up for for kind of what all that is next. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that's really true. I, I'll be honest, like part of it was um, I, I kind of thought, you know, I think this is good for PayPal. So I just kind of did it. And then I said, <laughs> and then I, I sent out the email to people and said, hey, I made this thing. And I never had my manager say, I, we don't like that. Um, yeah. and, and in fact, I had my manager say, hey, that's great. Um, so it was never, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that path for people. It might be a good idea to ask your manager first. Um, 
because when I got hired on at PayPal, I was already doing a lot of these things. And so they kind of had an expectation uh, and, and we had our expectations aligned there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really think that um, like the, the secret to, to learning and becoming a better developer is to take the time to really think about the abstractions you're using mm -hmm. to um, and, and you kind of force yourself into that position when you teach that or write a blog post about it or whatever. And so this is a mechanism for you to enhance your learning. So maybe instead of reading the, you know, 600th tutorial, <laughs> um, maybe you could write the 600th tutorial and then um, you'll, you'll every single time you'll learn more yeah. um, by writing the tutorial yourself. So, um, so like er I think managers are, are pretty typically pretty happy to have you learn on the job. They should be. Um, and so maybe instead of um, learning on the job by reading somebody else's words, you can learn on the job by writing your own. Um, and, and then you not only do you uh, get the benefit of learning, but you also can use those words that you've written to increase the impact of that value. That's tremendous advice. I think a lot of people feel like they don't want to repeat something that someone else has already said. Mm. And in the day of the internet, like it, it's already happened. Like you can't write something that someone else hasn't already <laughs> that said. That is so true. And that's one thing I really like about Egghead is that they really live this value of like, hey, we might have a video on this thing, but we don't have a video from you on this thing. Yes. And that is that mind shift is so important if you want to develop your career um, and be valuable or like you said, increase the impact of your value. Um, just get over that that thing in your head that's stopping you by saying like, oh, someone else already did this. Because yeah, someone else already did everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. But just get out there and you know start putting it into your words, start making it personal because that is going to help someone. And you know, as soon as you realize that, like it's it just becomes this really fun thing. And obviously, you know how fun that is. Yeah, it's a it's a blast, and it, and it becomes natural. Like it's, it, I think early on before GitHub was as big. Um, people's natural inclination was to not create um, their stuff in the open mm -hmm. and they would keep it locally on their machine or in a Dropbox or something. Um, but now I think a lot of people, they just default to GitHub because it's so easy and it's just become natural. And, and that has this network effect of being useful for the, you know anybody who has an internet connection uh, to go look at what, what you've built. And I think the same thing happens with um, creating content is it becomes a natural part of your learning process where in, uh, you just, um, you say, of course, yeah, I'm going to write a blog post about that. Like, why wouldn't I do that? You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so obviously we talked about the, the opportunities that you had at, at PayPal. Um, do you feel like there's any, any other kind of like magic sauce or um, opportunities that kind of go unnoticed uh, that, that, gave you the opportunity to be where you're at today? Oh, that's, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, cause this is a, anytime that I talk about, um, all the cool things that I've done, I, I like to make sure that I, I, um, acknowledge the huge amount of privilege that has been involved, um, or taken part in my experience getting into like wherever I am at, at this point. And so, um, like, and sometimes when I mention privilege, some jerks roll their eyes and I hate that. Um, but uh, let's talk about that for a second. Um, in, in my life, I've never, um, I've never needed or, or worried about being able to, to own a computer. Um, like as a, as a kid, I had a computer growing up and, and I could tinker around with it. May, yeah, maybe I played video games mostly on it, but like, <laughs> 
Um, I, I got the experience with that. Um, I'm a, a white heterosexual um, male. And so I, um, I never had to deal with the fear of people judging me because uh, at like an instant automatically thinking that I'm not as good as I am because I'm, I'm a woman um, or because, or, you know, thinking less of me because I am a different skin color from them or, mm-hmm. um, or uh, thinking that I'm some sort of weirdo because I'm transgender or anything like that. Like I've never had to worry about those things. Yeah. And so that, that leaves room in my head for doing all of the other things that I, I've been able to do. Um, and, and I've never had to worry about, you know, where my next meal is going to come from. So like the fact that I don't have those concerns uh, leaves room in, in my or space in my head for m- me to focus on on the other things. And people who don't consider that to be a, a privilege need to check themselves um, because it totally is a privilege to um, not have to worry about those things. Um, and so like I, I was able to kind of I, I never really feel like I have to prove myself. Yeah. Um, and, and I hear this a lot from, um, from women in our community that, um, you know, sometimes they feel like they have to constantly be uh, proving that they belong here. And, um, and that stress makes it a lot harder to, uh, you know, to do the things that, um, that it comes so naturally and easily for the rest of us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's been a huge privilege. I I'm also married, and my wife um, is just super awesome. We have four children together, and and uh, it has been amazing. <laughs> and it's a lot of work on my end, um, but she does a ton of stuff um, that I don't have to worry about. She like I don't know how to pay the bills. Um, you know, <laughs> she she manages all of you know our how like paying for utilities and all that stuff like uh i mean i i help fold laundry and do dishes and stuff but like i i'm a team with my wife and so i there's so many things i don't have to uh do because i have her to help me um and yeah so there's just a huge amount of of things that um i don't have to do that i, I can focus on um a lot of the things that everybody sees me doing um and so anyway that's just a lot of words about that but if, if you don't feel like uh, I, I feel like everybody in the world is privileged at some level, um, whatever level that is. And some of us have a lot more than others. And those of us who do have a lot more privilege than others need to lend that privilege to other people. We have a, a moral obligation to do so. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I'm so motivated to uh, produce the content that I do is uh, that it not only does it benefit me in uh, building my following and in like solidify- solidifying my learning, um, but it also like gives people the um, opportunity to learn some of those things mm-hmm. and and get off of the uh, off the ground um, to you know improving themselves. M- my mantra um, it, it used to be um, making software development accessible. Um, that kind of had a double meaning um, from an accessibility standpoint and making it, uh, learning it accessible. Uh, but now it is making the, um, improving people's lives w- with quality software. And that is um, like the, the idea there is I want people to take the things that I can teach them and make the world a better place with what they've learned. Uh, and I also want to, to build things myself that enable people to uh, build cooler things themselves. And um, I think part of, uh, that's, that's my way of lending uh, my privilege to other people. Um, and then also like 
broadening the the voice of of people who are um, underrepresented in tech i think is also another thing that i, I think is really important for uh, those of us who do uh, wind up with a, a larger following uh, to do and I, I try to do that as well so anyway there's a bunch of words for you <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome no you're doing a great job i i have always uh, appreciated your like what you bring and like really trying to be honest about the things the 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 privilege that you have um and and not feeling like shameful about it because because you really can't i mean that, mm-hmm. that like that's not the goal either but to you know to acknowledge it and to try to um kind of lift lift others into opportunities um as as well um as you kind of grow and increase in 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 your own popularity mm-hmm. i think that's great um i we're getting kind of close on time so i just wanted to knock uh, or set up two more questions for you and um you can knock them down the first one is i just wanted to kind of um i guess get a quick overview of the importance of different pieces of like you know social media oss newsletter blogging um the videos on youtube like kind of uh how those all play into each other um kind of what are more valuable if they're all kind of tied together and like the most valuable like if someone's trying to set up their you know their career building today where should they start hmm so yeah that's uh that's it could really be a whole question. show, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did write a blog post about this. It's called Intentional Career Building uh, that kind of touches on some of this, where the idea is you want to, uh, like the, the best coder in the entire world um, could go on, you know, at their, you know, low paying job and whatever in um, doing stuff that they don't really particularly enjoy. Um only for the reason that they don't effectively communicate the things that they're doing. Um, and so if whether you're the best or the worst, whatever, um, communicating um, what it is that you are accomplishing and celebrating those things and, and celebrating the people that helped you get there um, and, and that you worked with to, to make something happen, that's really important. And so um, like, and, and, in my blog post, I talk about you know sending emails to your manager and your boss's boss and whatever, um, but uh, like that applies also to the the broader community because we are a um, you know, very big community. And if you're interested in in building some sort of following, like uh, first let me justify building a following. Some people like <laughs> look at that and they're like, oh, that's gross. You know, self branding. <laughs> what is that? And um, so here's a benefit to a large following. If I decided one day, you know what, this teaching thing isn't all that cool. I want to work on a product again. I could literally tweet, hey, I am <laughs> looking for a job. And I would have a crazy amount of um, of opportunities come up because I have uh, given people a reason to follow me. And that reason is they somehow think that I'm good at this. And, um, and then enough people would actually see that, that like... Um, I, w- I would get messages back. And so you may be the best programmer in the world and, and maybe your mom knows that, but like if you're, <laughs> if you don't have any place to broadcast um, what you're interested in, what you want to do next, then like that's not going to do you any good. So um, building a following is not like a, a, a dirty thing um, or whatever, like that it's a legit uh, career decision. That That's why I started uh, was I said, Hey, I want to make sure that um, I have job security yeah. and, and that if, if the development um, world started 
you know, right now, like it's pretty easy for an experienced engineer to get a, a job and be pretty happy with it. Um, but if I got into a situation where I wasn't happy um, and, and maybe the development community started um, taking a downturn, um, I have a lot more security in knowing that I'll be able to keep a job so long as there are any software jobs to be had because I have created this perception around myself that I'm pretty good at what I do. Yeah. Um, and, and I have enough people who, who follow me that they can make, uh, connect me with the right people. Um, so anyway, that's justifying building a following. So how do you do it? Uh, I think it depends on um, like what way you want to do that. So um, writing a blog is actually really, really useful um, and, and being consistent with that. That's why I go every week. Um, fun fact, CSS Tricks started that same way, um, a blog post every week. Mm-hmm. And now it's like enormous. Um, enormous. And so it takes it takes uh, commitment and consistency mm. uh, to get there. And now I have over a hundred blog posts on my blog, and I've been doing this for um, you know the regular weekly thing for two years. Oh, fancy that! Um, <laughs> you know, fifty weeks a year. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so maybe not quite two years. I had some blog posts before, but you get the idea. The consistency um, over time builds a like a really big uh, wealth of information. Um, also being active on Twitter, um, is, you know, and, and an active positive force on Twitter. Um, I don't want, I I don't follow people who are constantly negative. Um, even if the things that they're being negative about are, are true and real problems in the world. Um, I, I want to be aware of those problems, but, um, I want my Twitter feed to be something that, um, like I, I have enough, um, issues um, knowing what's going on in the world and m- in my own issues, um, I don't need to like have every time I look at my Twitter feed fill me with anxiety further. So I won't follow people who are tweeting things that fill me with ex- anxiety. I-, I don't think anybody should. Um, so like being a positive force, uh, a producer on Twitter rather than just a consumer and, and responding to other people's tweets, like it- it's good to engage with other people. That's not what I'm saying. Just um, being, give me a reason to follow you. Um, you, you provide me some value. Um, this is a, a symbiotic relationship here. Um, and, uh, like I, I don't really, uh, super trust these platforms to deliver my message to the people who are following me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I started the newsletter. Um, because if if I have your email, then I know I have a, a lot better chance of, of connecting with you when it's really important. Um, like when I have a workshop to sell or something, you know, um, where like, that's really important for me right now in my career. So, um, so I, I would strongly recommend that people build a newsletter and, um, you can do a really easy free one on tinyletter.com. That's where I started. Um, they'll let you go up to 5,000, uh, subscribers. And by the time you get there, um, then paying for one will be totally worth the effort, uh, or (laughs) worth the, worth the money. Um, it takes a long time to get to to that point anyway, so you should be pretty solid. Um, uh, Michael, you and I both use uh, briefs.fm. Oh yeah, it's um, so good. It's great. It's uh, so good. It's, and it, it's so like low effort, pretty reasonably high impact. Um, so it's a three minute podcast. Uh, so you can go sign up for that. It's it's pretty cheap, like three bucks a month or something. I don't know. It's pretty cheap. So yeah, I think it might be. I think it might be five. Yeah. But but even so, it's like at that, it's like it's kind of like paying for a gym membership. Like you're yeah. paying for the motivation to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Totally. Um, and it's like, it's so low effort. You can do it from your phone. Like you just record a three minute podcast and boom, it's out there. you uh, you found a way to create some value. Um, and part of, part of all this too is like, we, we all know our stuff. Like everybody knows their stuff. Like they, we all know different stuff maybe. And so maybe I, maybe I know more about hooks than you do, but you probably know a million things more about Docker than I do, or, you know, whatever, <laughs> everybody knows different things. Um, and so part of the, the process of building this following is creating the, uh, that perception, which is an accurate perception, or, or maybe it's an inaccurate, um, but, uh, but you want to create that perception um, that you do know your stuff. Yeah. You want people to, to know what it is that you know, and, and when they need somebody who can help them with Kubernetes, they think of you first. Um, so whatever, that, whatever you want that to be for yourself, um, put out content that demonstrates that you know your stuff. Um, and that is going to be the reason that I follow you. You're giving me a reason to follow you. Um, and YouTube is a great platform. Um, I haven't used Facebook at all to build any sort of platform. I don't know if that works, but I think some people do and, and have success with it. Um, but yeah, mostly for me, it's, it's Twitter. It's my own blog. It's a newsletter. It's a, a podcast. Actually, when I, I, I was big into podcasting for about two years or three years, I did Air, um, Angular Air, which is actually still running, and I did JavaScript Air, which I, I closed down. Um, and during the time that I was doing those podcasts, um, I saw a huge uptick in my following. Mm. Um, and so podcasting and, and getting some really good guests on, on your podcast and stuff is a, a really great way to, to uh, build a following as well, because you're, you're creating a ton of value um, in the process of doing that. Um, so anyway, those are hopefully a couple of useful and practical tips, some things people can do. Yeah, awesome. So specifically, I know that you had a strategy about how to funnel people through your newsletter um, versus your blog. Can you talk, do we, do we have time for you to talk about that just real quick? Yeah, yeah, sure. I can mention that. So when I got started with the newsletter, I was thinking, hey, so I want this, the stuff I'm creating to be public. I want everybody to be able to get it, but I need to motivate people to sign up for my newsletter mm -hmm. so that like they think it's worth it um, and they don't just, you know, grab the public stuff. And so I um, said, I will publish to my newsletter um, first and then two weeks later, it'll go to my blog. Um, and I'm not sure how effective that was, but I, I did like build a, a newsletter following pretty quick. Um, I've actually stopped doing that. Um, now I think that like, I have like 12,000 subscribers on my newsletter now. Wow. And, uh, and I feel pretty good about that. And I feel like the people who, um, w one thing I think that's kind of important, um, to know about this is, um, y there, is, there are groups of people who will follow you and they want to follow you. That, and that is your audience. There uh, is another group of people who doesn't want to follow you. <laughs> that is not your audience. Don't try to, um, force people to follow you or trick them into following you or whatever. Like, um, focus on your audience and the people that you want to reach. And so I've realized, um, that, like my audience will subscribe to my newsletter and I don't have to do some arbitrary thing to, uh, to make that happen. Um, and so I, that's why I've stopped doing the two weeks thing, but I, I think it may have been kind of effective, um, uh, at getting me rolling. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's an important principle I think is, um, do, do not watch the unsubscribe numbers. Um, it, it really doesn't, don't like, if you have a service that reports to you every time somebody unfollows you on Twitter, stop doing that. Um, <laughs> cause like there are millions of reasons that people could unfollow you on Twitter. And that's just a silly thing, uh, to, uh, to worry yourself over. So, 
Um, yeah, focus on on creating value, and it takes a long time. Yeah, like it's it's years and years of consistency and effort. Um, but after that time, it uh, yeah, it'll happen. Yeah, that consistency does seem to be like the most important part. The people who have been able to uh, reliably build an audience are people who are always there. Like people want that dependability mm-hmm. in their life, and that's incredible advice too. Like as you are being dependable don't feel like you're being a nuisance to people or annoying to people Mm -hmm. like your audience will stay and everyone else will fall off and that's a good thing yeah yeah you don't want an audience of people who are like you know wishy-washy about following you um in fact i'm eventually i'm going to start sending emails to people on my newsletter who haven't opened the email in a while and just say hey if you don't open an email in the next like two or three weeks then i'm just going to uh, auto unsubscribe you because mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to be sending emails to people who aren't reading them. Um, yeah. You just want to, you want a, you know, a focused group of people who are really dedicated to, to you. Cool. Well, Kent, thank you so much for the extra time. I really appreciate it. Um, just in closing, where can um, people find what's going to be up next for you? What do you have in the queue? Um, what can we uh, expect to see from you in 2019? Oh man, so I'm super excited. Um, probably the biggest thing that I'm working on is remote workshops. Um, I I just um, put up my first remote workshop as a full-time, I, I've done remote workshops in the past, but as a full-time educator um, and it sold out in like overnight. It was crazy. I awesome. Was, I was super like super excited about that. So it, it's about um, hooks um, and I'm planning on doing these a lot um, in the future. So, um, so yeah, if if you want to keep up with that, you can subscribe to my newsletter. It's kcd.im slash news. And, um, or just go to my website at the bottom and there's a, a thing you can fill out. Um, and then, yeah, so I'm doing lots of workshops. I, I'm speaking around. You can find all of that information on kentcdots.com. Awesome. Well, Kent, thank you so much for all of your time this morning. It's always an incredible privilege to uh, hear from you, learn from you, kind of get into your mind just a little bit. Obviously, we, I, I could ask you questions all day. Um, and so I appreciate the, uh, the time that you've given me to ask these ones. Um, so yeah, thanks so much. Oh, thank you, Michael. It's always a pleasure to chat with you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of React Podcast. Everything mentioned in the show with a link can be found at reactpodcast.com slash 47. As you go, I cannot express enough how important it is that you need to be sharing. Yes, you. It doesn't matter what phase in your career you're at. There is someone waiting for you to share what you know. Be bold. Get to it. Thanks again to Infinite Red. Learn how to build a thriving remote company without sacrificing culture. Get the Remote Work Handbook today for free by visiting remote.infinite.red. This episode of React Podcast was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson. You can find React Podcast on Spec, a network to help designers and developers level up. Visit spec.fm to find other shows that will take you further in your career. Help us out by reviewing this show on iTunes. Your reviews help the show grow and help us ensure great guests and awesome content week to week. To join the discussion, visit reactpodcast.com slash chat or follow us on Twitter at React Podcast. I'm at Chantastic. To stay out of the discussion but get updates, visit reactpodcast.com slash news and sign up for emails. Thanks so much for giving us your attention. We'll be in your ears again next week. 